We're here today to remember on the final Sunday of June 2014 what happened on the final Sunday of June 2013 last year. We're remembering 19 hotshots from our community who many of you loved and, and knew well. And we're here to bring comfort. We're here to find hope. We're here to find purpose. So why don't you have a seat and we're going to remember together today. We're going to unite together today. Do you remember where you were on this Sunday last year? You likely remember where you were when you first heard the reports or news that some hot shots had been lost. I remember I was in Sedona with my family at a family reunion, and I had left my cell phone in the car, and we got back in the car, and my wife, who often picks it up to look at it, said, John, you've got 18 voicemails and about 20 text messages. And we started listening to those and started realizing that something terrible had happened. One of those moments when we realized that this world as we know it is not heaven, is not perfect, is not the way that it should be. And we immediately started making our way from Sedona over to the Mile High Middle School where a bunch of the families were gathered and the names of those 19 heroes were read. Within the next 48 hours, you probably remember as a community, we came together like never before. Many of you were there when we gathered at the high school, out at the football field, and thousands of us gathered around those families to tell them that they had our unconditional love, our unconditional support, that we would be there for them, that we would care for them. Soon, swarms of hotshot trucks started to fill up the city and occupied the high school parking lot. Firefighter crews from other cities around Arizona took over posts for the Prescott crews so that that our guys could grieve and could mourn. Vice President Biden and Senator McCain came for the memorial at Tim's Toyota and paid their respects. And then after a few weeks, all the news trucks left town and the Red Cross left town, but the pain never left town. The pain never left, and for 52 weeks now, 19 families have lived with empty beds, empty lazy boys, empty places that were once filled. In my opinion, it's been the most difficult year that this community has ever seen. So difficult that as the one-year anniversary approached, many leaders in town kind of said, I, I, we don't really want to say anything. It's almost like no one knows what to say or no one knows what to do. And it's times like these when it's the most important for us to unite. It's times like these when it's the most important for us to acknowledge that there's a creator who made us, that he listens to those who call out to him and ask for help. And so that's why we're here today to, to come back together, to remember, and to find healing and hope and purpose in our creator. My prayer for you this morning is that you sense the comfort, that you sense the peace of God here in this place. With us this morning are some leaders who have stood strong through the most difficult year of their life. Uh, leaders who have integrity, leaders who we want to honor today. At this time, I want to introduce a man who's a true rock in our community, and anyone who knows him will tell you that he is 100% the real deal. Uh, this is a man uh, who is kind of the definition of integrity. What you see is what you get. 
And uh, for those of us who know him best, we're just so proud to know him, proud to call him a friend. Uh, Chief of the Prescott Fire Wildland Division, Chief Daryl Willis. Would you guys welcome Chief Willis as he makes his way up? (laughs) We love you. Chief, um, we were wondering today if you might just open us in prayer and ask God's blessing for our time together here. I'd be glad to, but uh, I'd like to say a few things first. Uh, it has been the most difficult year of our lives. We've lived it together. We've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. But I, everywhere I go, and people know that I love God and have uh, the Christian faith, have said, We've been praying for you, and I can absolutely tell you that's the only way that I've got, my wife and I have gotten through this, is your prayers, your thoughts, your encouragement, and uh, your pastor. Uh, Your pastor and I have met numerous times. Uh, I've called him, especially uh, some of the first conversations were during the, uh, when we were doing uh, multitude of funerals, and uh, I had to have somebody to talk to. He was always open. He always was there to counsel with me, to encourage me, and to listen, and to pray with me, and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, he, he really went beyond what I would think anybody could do, but he's one of the reasons that uh, I've made it through this. So, uh, again, the community's been wonderful. And I appreciate your prayers. I would covet them to continue. Uh, We've got a a few emotional days ahead of us with family members, and some of them are even here and thankful that they're here today. And uh, we just uh, ask for your your prayers for the next couple days and then for the rest of our lives. So join me with your, uh, join me your hearts with me right now. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, We don't have all the answers, but we do know that you're with us. You walk with us, and you want to talk with us, Lord. And I would just ask today, uh, for one, that your presence be with us, that you would put your Holy Spirit with us, that in uh, everything that we do, everything that we say, would be honoring unto you. Thank you for this service. The pastor that has uh, had a vision for, for doing this and honoring families and our 19. Lord, uh, one of the things that I see is that we need unity. We need unity in our community with everyone, from the from families to city leaders, civic leaders, uh, fire department, public safety people, Lord, uh, all of us need to unite under you. And I just ask that that would be a burden to all of us, that we can pro- seek that unity, Lord and that your perfect will is done in our community. So as we go forward today, I ask that you would uh, bless this service and everyone here, and that we can be encouraged when we walk out of here this afternoon. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Daryl, before you go, now that you don't have to think about anything to say, <laughs> uh, we, we who are here, you know, there's, there's different rings going out from you, and some of us know you well, and, and some respect you from a distance. But together, as a group, we just want you to see and to know and to feel that you are appreciated. We want you to see and know and feel that you're loved. We want you to see and know that we are proud of you and that we are praying for you and that we stand with you. So let's show that respect again for Chief Willis.
My mom used to say, you're defined by your courage and redeemed by your loyalty. These men, the Granite Mountain Hotshots, they saw their jobs not as jobs, but as a duty. They understood what few do, that integrity, integrity is measured by whether you respond to the needs of your neighbors when you know you are one of the few who has the capacity to respond. These folks were firefighters who live life to the fullest every single day. They raced to embrace life just as they raced to embrace the fight against the raging fire on Yarnell Hill. You're a rare breed. These hot shots. The 19 who fell were not only heroes on Sunday, June 30th, 2013, to you, the families. They were heroes long before we knew their names. And may every family member know that there's a brotherhood and sisterhood of firefighters that will be there for you the rest of your lives. fellow crew members as we hike up to the top help us cut enough line for this blaze to stop let my skills and hands be firm and quick let me find those safety zones as we hit and lick for if this day on the line I should answer death's call Lord bless my hotshot crew my family one and all Well, good morning. When Pastor John called me and asked if I'd be willing to speak this morning, I said, absolutely. And as I was watching that, I think back 20 years ago to this man that's sitting over here. When he called me, and I was living in a little mobile home, and uh, it was just Jen and I, and he called and he offered me a job with the Prescott Fire Department. And it happened to be just by fate that I was the first firefighter that Chief Willis had hired as a fire chief. And for some reason, we've shared a special bond ever since then. It's like he, he's put his wing over me and taken care of me, and I'm approaching 20 years here in November, and I can't believe what we've been through together. But your faith, your integrity, and the man you are has guided you, it's guided many others, and it's guided me. And I want to thank you for that. I truly want you to understand that we're here for you. So I put together a few things. First of all, why am I wearing this funny suit? The reason why I'm wearing this funny suit is obviously we have a lot going on this week. And from here, Dave and I got to run down to Yarnell. And we're also ceremoniously going to replace the flags at the deployment site where our members fell. So we wanted to do that in the highest of honors, honoring God, honoring our traditions, 
As it marks one year timeline since we lost our hot shots, I found it interesting. By fate, Chief Willis and I were deployed to a fire on the border of Arizona and New Mexico about two weeks ago. And it was exactly at this time last year that we were also in New Mexico on a fire. We had Granite Mountain with us. And by typically by the way we work, Chief Willis would be in a leadership position. I would be below him in a leadership position. And then typically they would assign Granite Mountain to a person like me so that we, were, we all knew each other and we functioned well together. And this was our first time on a wildfire since then, and I, and I, always, I wondered what it was going to feel like. At first, last year, I thought I'd never fight another wildfire again. But as soon as we went out, it was normal. It felt good. By God's grace, it felt warm, and it felt comfortable. I felt where I, I was needed. I felt I was there where I needed to be. I missed hearing their voices over the radio. That kind of was different. So instead of hearing Granite Mountain call me on the radio and stuff, it was different different crews, but it was still good. I missed having some of them with me training to move up to a higher level because it was this time last year that I had a young man named Clayton Whitted in my truck with me uh, working on a fire, and it was a wonderful experience just having him by my side and roaring fire coming in and, and him doing a really good job. I miss having him wash my windows because every morning when you get up at a fire, they would come, they would quietly and discreetly go over and they'd wash all of the chief's windows and clean up your truck for you without you knowing it. So then when you'd come back after the morning briefing or something like that, your windows were clean and everything, and you knew it was Granite Mountain that did that. They did it out of respect, and I really enjoyed that. I missed them calling me chief to show respect. So those were the things missing. Oh, and of course, messing with each other which is, we do that very well. We were proud to be together, for we had accomplished something no other fire department had done. It was a Type 1 interagency hotshot crew, and it was cool. So as you all know, that came to an end, and another journey began for me, and I'm sure for many others. One that changed my perspective and increased my faith. Again, you're Pastor John. Thank you, Pastor John. Showed up at my house through much persuasion from my lovely wife. We were terribly busy on the fire department. We were working 16, 18-hour days from sunup to sundown. And I had an excuse every time Pastor John wanted to come over. And it just ended up where he just showed up at my house, so I had no choice. Uh, A relationship formed. We have lunch weekly. We study the Bible, and we just talk. Mel, a hotshot, would call that a bromance, okay? But I really don't want to go there. As the one-year timeline approached, we belabored about what to do on this day. Was it going to be a big to-do like we did at the high school? We thought, no. Was it going to be something else? We thought, no. And and as it got closer, you know, there was a lot of uh, pain that existed in the community, so we thought, let's just do nothing. It got to that point. And then probably, what, about five days ago, just said, let's just do this here at church. And let's honor one another, love on one another. And it just came together. And I realized, you see, God has a plan. And that's the way it is. And you've taught me a lot about that as well, Jen. I appreciate that. So when Pastor John asked me to do this, he did it in a very submissive way. It was basically the tail or the dog with its tail between its legs approach. But what he doesn't know is that I'm very, very keen to that approach. And the reason why is I live with four girls. And they're like professionals. And that technique works very well. And I typically cave every time they do it, don't I? It takes a lot of persuasion. But here again, you see, uh, God's got a plan. So there it was, sitting atop the Chuska Mountains. This is the mountain range that we were on, and it was perfect. I was sitting on a rock. There was not a lot going on on the fire. It was pretty quiet. I had a really wonderful trainee underneath me who was doing basically all the work for me. 
So I could just sit there. So I did. I sat on a rock, and I looked over this great vista, mixed conifers, pine trees, beautiful sandstone. I could see ship rock out in, out in the distance, all of God's great wonders. So it was perfect and easy. You see, we often talk about the body, where he is the head and we are the body. Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 25 through 27 read, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices in it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We are the body, and he is the head. We in this community have all suffered. But as a body, we suffer together. When one, body, when one part of our body suffers, the other parts of our body come to its aid in a miraculous fashion. I want each and every one of you to know and that I thank you for coming to our aid. You are a beautiful, healthy body, a body of compassion, a body of care, a body of understanding, a body of patience, and a body that rescues, transforms, loves, and serves. I say today, this morning, that we rejoice together for what we have. You don't have to look far for what you have. It's pretty simple. Look around you. It's this body that surrounds you with Christ our Savior as the head, guiding and protecting us. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. God has a plan for each and every one of us. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So in closing, I'd like to say, remember Granite Mountain's motto. It was, Esse quam videre, which meant in Latin, to be rather than seem to be. But I like to think of it differently. I, I think of it in my mind as to be, believe rather than seem to believe. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe that he has a plan for you that's already written. Believe that we are the body and he is the head. And believe that if you trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, he will make straight your paths. Amen. Hey, uh, before, Ralph, before you go, we're going to take a minute together. I'll lead in a prayer, but together we'll be praying for these chiefs, for the firefighting community, for the first responders in our community in general. And um, Ralph, I'll just, since we have a bromance, I'm just going to lay my hands on you and, and pray for you. So, I'm, I'm good with it. Okay. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. Father, sometimes we struggle to trust and believe your love when we see pain and when we experience suffering. Lord, you tell us in your word that you are not the author of pain or the author of evil. Uh, You are the one who sacrifices yourself to save us from pain and to save us from evil and to make right the things that are broken and wrong. Lord, in our firefighters, we have such a picture of you a God who would come down among us, who would get his hands dirty, who would lay down his life for people who didn't even care about him because of your great love, Lord. You loved us first. You died for us. You rose from the grave, and now you offer new life for all of us who believe in you. So, Lord, I pray for our firefighters in this community today. Right now, we pray for Chief Willis, for Chief Lucas. We pray for Dave Peterson, for the firefighters right here in our church community and in our uh, Christian community. Pray that they would know that as they serve you faithfully, they are a human picture of you, Jesus, and the way that you um, risked your life and gave your life for us. Lord, we pray for them specifically today and specifically in the next 48 hours. We pray, Lord, that your presence would be felt around them, that your angels would encamp around them, 
that they would know your security, that they would know your power and your authority, that they would know your comfort and your love. Lord, we pray for all the first responders in this Yavapai County community. Lord, all of our great sheriff's deputies and, and our police department and uh, the county fire department in Prescott Valley and uh, Chino and the Prescott Fire Department specifically. Lord, we pray for each of these men and women uh, who bravely serve us as a community. And we pray, Lord, that each of them would experience your love, that you'd reach out to each of them and that you would protect them. And uh, be with us, be with our brothers here in these next days. We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, in a moment, we're about to sing a song. And if you're, we just want you to know our heart for you today is to comfort you. So if you're most comforted by standing and singing, please feel free to do that. If you're most comforted by sitting and listening, please feel free to do that. But I want to tell you just a little bit about these songs that we're singing. Uh, these songs come from one of the hotshot widows. Um, I, I knew her before the fire, but I got to pray with her that first night there at Mile High Middle School when the families were gathering and, and the tragedy was just unfolding. And, and as Melanie and I have walked with her through the last year, we've seen very much like with Chief Willis and Chief Lucas that tragedies don't reveal what we're made of as much as they reveal what we've built our life on. And when you've built your life on a firm foundation, then when the storms come, when the fires come, it still hurts, but you're still standing afterwards. And that's the case for this dear widow, and I'm going to leave her anonymous for the sake of her own privacy. But uh, as she and I talked about what to do for the one-year service, we talked about some songs, specific songs that the words of these songs, the truths in these songs have carried her through this last year as she found herself a single mother, as she found herself alone in a house where she used to have a husband who was truly her best friend. And it's the truths, the words and the songs that are going to be in the rest of our time here today that have gotten her through. So I want you to know that background as you read these words, these aren't just songs. These are truths that have carried through uh, one of these hotshot widows and, and one who's a real model in her grief and in her strength because she would say of what her life is built upon. So if you're most comfortable standing and, and uh, singing or standing and being quiet, just do whatever's most comfortable for you. Be ministered to as we sing together now. This uh, dear widow who picked these songs, I remember early on and sometimes still when we talk, we'll talk about this question, is God picking on me? When, when tragedy comes into my life, is God mad at me? Is God against me? And, and we look in Scripture to find that answer. God tells us in His Word that our hearts are, are kind of fickle. We can't trust our feelings always to guide us through life. In fact, oftentimes our feelings will tell us the very opposite of what we should do. So that's why we look into the love letter that God has written to us in the Bible. And it's there that we're told that God's not the author of evil, uh, that, that God doesn't intentionally send pain into people who are calling out to him and who are asking for his help. And, and for this widow, as she's gone through this last year, as she's adapting to a new reality, a, a reality in which her best friend is not there, the, the thing that is, is holding her together is this belief, not an accessory on the side belief, but a central to her person and her heart belief that God loves her, that God hears her that God cares for her. And not only that, but that God is in the process of making right all that's wrong with this world. Did you catch that line in the song, one day you will make all things right? That's the foundation that she is standing on. A, a belief that this world is not our home ultimately. This world is not the end. 
a belief that she is going to see her husband again face to face. We're going to take a moment right now, and we're going to give you a chance to pray. We're all going to individually pray for each of these 19 families. Uh, Their photos and names are going to come across the screen. And as they do, I want to encourage you to pray that they would know the stability and comfort of God in these next couple days. That's what this widow, that's what she has had these last 365 days. Hurt, tragedy, difficulty, but through it all, the stability and the comfort of God and a a life-changing belief that he is going to make right the things that are wrong in this broken world. So as these names go across, would you, on your own, call out to God? Maybe you need to call out to him for yourself. Scripture says, the Lord upholds all who are fallen and raise up all who are bowed down under heavy loads. Scripture tells us that God is a God who reaches down and picks up those who are flailing and beating at the air in their grief and in their pain. Jesus, who was God among us, put it this way, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's what this hotshot widow is talking about. That's what she's thinking about when she hears those lyrics. When my world is shaking, heaven's not shaking. God is still in control. He still has an ability to make all things right. So we're going to take a moment right now as this slideshow goes by and as the song plays again for you to pray to God for each of these 19 families, pray for them by name, that they would know God's stability and his comfort in the next day here. prayers I have trouble I wish wasn't there and I have asked a thousand ways that you would take my pain away you would take my pain away I am trying to understand weary land make straight the paths that crooked lie oh lord before these feet of mine oh lord before these feet of mine Shaking heaven 
Someone asked me this last week. At times like this, is it wrong to ask the big questions like, why do things like this happen? My answer was, it's the best thing that you can ask. Scripture describes the world we live in not as heaven or a garden of Eden, but as a place that was perfect when God first made it. And the first chapters of Genesis are really clear. He entrusts it to human management, to human care. And it was early humans who invited a spiritual enemy in, a deceiver, who sows lies, who deals in half-truths. He convinced those early humans that God's not actually looking out for you. God doesn't actually have your best interest in mind. You should do things my way instead. And it was as humans invited with their own wills, invited sin and evil into this world that a perfect planet became corrupted. And so now we have tornadoes. Now we have earthquakes. Now we have genocides. Now we have famines. We have a broken planet. In fact, Scripture talks about the earth itself groaning as in birth pains, groaning like a a woman giving labor, longing for the day when God comes back to make all things right. This is why Christ came to earth, to show us a picture that God does love us and on the cross to pay the penalty for our mistakes. And Jesus said that all who trust in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. This is a faith that for 2,000 years now has carried people through all sorts of famines, persecutions, plagues, difficulties. It's a faith today that carries thousands of us in our community through a natural disaster, a wildfire ignited by lightning in this broken planet where our DNA is broken, our relationships are broken, the weather patterns are broken. And it's faith that believes that there is a creator God who loves us and that he is in the process, like we heard in that song, of making all things right. And it's times like these when faith really becomes faith. That is a persistent, persevering, stubborn belief that no matter how hard it gets, no matter how dark it looks, that God is still good and that he is in the process of making all things right. I wonder, do you believe that? Do you believe that there's a loving God who created you and that he wants to make right all that is wrong in your life. Clayton Witted believed that. Ralph talked a little about Clayton. I know a lot of you knew Clayton well. You've probably heard about him in different memorials. He was a, a full personality. One of the 19 who perished fighting the Yarnell Hill fire. But Clayton, if he were here, and he's probably listening to us, he wouldn't like us using the word perished. And here's why. John 10 verse 28 says this, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And if you see those little green marks there, Clayton made those marks, and he made them in in this Bible. This is Clayton's Bible, and and his wife, Christy, who is not the hotshot widow who picked our song, but another hotshot widow in our community, um, she was gracious enough to let us use this. And, And as I looked through the whole thing this last week, first of all, you can tell that it's pretty well loved. There's an old saying that a Bible that's falling apart is usually read by someone whose life isn't. And that was the case for Clayton. Every one of those other hotshots knew that. They looked up to him. He was a model in his integrity, 
He was a model in his work ethic. He was a model in his character. And anyone who asked him, he would tell them that it was Christ living in him who made him a new person, who gave him a new nature. In all of this Bible, which has clearly been read a lot, carried to a lot of wildfires throughout the Southwest, in the whole thing, there's some notes at the beginning and the end, but there's only about a dozen or so passages that he underlined or highlighted like that. You know, some people really mark up their Bibles and some people don't. Clayton wasn't a big marker-upper. But it's really cool because it leaves for us almost these words of him speaking. The, The truths in Scripture that carried him along, we now know what they are. What does this mean? Jesus here is talking. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Was, was Jesus a liar? Because Clayton's not here today. Here's what Jesus meant and here's what Clayton believed. That our bodies in this fallen world, because it's fallen, your body, my body, they're all going to die one day. Whether it's in a wildfire or a cancer ward, all of our bodies are going to break down. Jesus never said that the people who trusted in him would never experience a physical death. What he promised was that the people who trusted in him would have a resurrection exactly like his. When Jesus died on the cross, he then rose from the grave and rose into what Scripture calls a glorified body, a body that uh, has no zits, no warts, no migraines, a body that is the way God intended it, the way he made the first humans back in the book of Genesis. For those of us who believe, we know that Clayton right now is in one of those bodies. And we know that he's not the only hotshot who is. You see, Clayton lived with the hope of heaven, and he lived to share the hope of heaven. That's why he marked verses like this, John 3, verse 17. Maybe you've heard verse 16, that God so loved the world that when he saw us lost in our sin, he gave his only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And then Clayton has this mark, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. It's your spiritual enemy who wants you to think that God is out to get you. God came to save you. Clayton was convinced that Jesus actually was God, that he paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. And a a couple weeks before the Yarnell Hill fire, while the Granite Mountain crew was fighting the Dose fire, which some of you probably, if you live on Iron Springs or Williamson Valley, it came near your homes and the Granite Mountain hotshots were out there. And they got to this gigantic alligator juniper tree. And they decided that they, would, that they would put up a fight for this tree. And they worked all day to save this tree. And by the time they were done, they sat down to eat lunch. And Clayton then, using this Bible, explained to them that for all who trust in Christ, we need not fear death. We need not worry about our souls, our inner person ever perishing. In wildland fighting, there's this phrase, to keep one foot in the green and one foot in the black. That means one foot in the fuel that has already burned and one foot in the fuel that hasn't. And, and as I looked through Clayton's Bible, and as I talked to people who knew him well, it became so evident that Clayton lived his life with one foot in the green in heaven and one foot on this scorched earth that's fallen. So on this Sunday last year, Clayton Witted did not die. He finally stepped that other foot across into a place that Scripture describes as green and lush with trees of life, rivers of living water. It's incredible with how few verses were underlined that Clayton underlined 
this next one. When I read it, I just felt like it was his voice saying it here in John chapter 17, speaking to us. I will remain in the world no longer, but they, those who are left, are still in the world. And I'm coming to you. This is Jesus praying to the Father right before he leaves the earth. And Clayton, who followed Jesus, had underlined this passage. God, I know this world's not my home, and I know I'm coming to you. And when I do, will you comfort the people who are left behind? Will you take care of them? There's this idea throughout the history of faith of songs that end in heaven. That song that we just heard has that line, one day you will make all things right. And throughout the history of God's people, song after song ends in heaven. Maybe you've heard the old hymn, Amazing Grace, written by a guy who had been a slave trader and repented of that and then helped to uh, stop the slave trade in England. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, but he ends the song in heaven. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. This is how Christians have lived through plagues, through the black death, through persecution. This is how the majority of Christians have lived for history with their eyes fixed on the reality that this world's not our home and a better home awaits. Maybe you've heard the old Irish hymn, Be Thou My Vision. It ends this way, May I reach heaven's shores, O bright heaven's sun. How great thou art ends with eyes locked on the next life when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my soul. Another timeless hymn, Be Still My Soul, ends this way. Be still my soul, the hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow forgot. Love's purest joys restored. For thousands of years, people have been singing songs about heaven. So when this widow who picked our songs today suggested this next one, which is about longing to be in heaven, I thought, well, this just fits right in with all the Christians who've gone before us, with all the people of faith who've suffered before us. So together now, let's take comfort in this reality that this world is not our home. This is kind of a celebratory song, and sometimes when we're mourning, there's laughter, sometimes there's tears. And just like before, if you want to stand and sing this, the tone of celebration is one of faith. It's one of a belief that we're going to see Clayton again, one of a faith in a God who makes all things right. So if you believe that today, if it encourages you... um, Stand and sing this together with us. Amen. Thank you, guys. You guys can have a seat. You know, Scripture describes our life on earth as a a vapor or a mist. It's this idea of a fog that rolls through in the morning, and as the sun rises and as the heat of the day beats down, that fog goes away, and God says, that's how short your life is. It's like the flowers of the field that are here today, and by the time you get your camera and decide to take a picture of them, they're gone. God says your life is so short, and in this short time, you have the most important decision of your eternity, and that's to call out to God or not to call out to God, to trust in Christ or not to trust in Christ. I want you to know today that the hope I'm not, I, that I'm sharing, it's not just my opinion. I'm sharing it because we know widows and fire chiefs and we knew hot shots who were carried through the storms of life by this hope. I know Clayton would want us to share it. There's one more verse he had underlined in his Bible, Galatians 6.14. He said, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me. In other words, I'm dead 
to the things of this world. I've realized this world's not my home. Clayton believed in a God who carried our pain and who sacrificed his life for us. Tragedies we've learned this last year don't reveal what we're made of. They reveal what we've built our lives upon. And the hero sufferers who I know, those who are remarkable in their strength, those who've grown superhuman in their tenderness and in their wisdom, they all have this in common. Their lives are built on something bigger and stronger than themselves. For the widows and fire officials, I know that foundation is this simple belief that God ushered their loved ones into a place of peace. When I sat down last week with that widow who picked these songs and we talked about what have we learned in the last year, here's what she said. I now realize this life is a dot with a line going out forever, and that's eternity. This is so temporary. In a really short time, we're going to enter into that big picture of eternity and be there forever. Then she told me about an old-time preacher she recently read about, and he was talking about what to write on his tombstone, and he said this, Someday you will read in the papers that I have died. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all, out of this old clay body into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorified body. The survivors that I know here in Prescott, they say that that's a foundation worth building a life on. As I've walked with them in the last year, I've seen that it stands firm through the storms, even in the fires. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.